Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. We're going to try to pick up where we left off last week and continue. All right? We're going to try to pick up where we left off and continue. And so we were dealing with, we were dealing with the seven seals, and we were on seal number six uh, last week. We're getting ready to start seal number six. And so this is a continuation, if you will, of the seven seals, part, part 5B. And uh, we'll see what we can get through here tonight. We're going to read verses 12 through 17. Here this evening, Revelation 6, verses 12 through 17. The Bible states these words, And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal. And lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. And the stars of heaven fell into the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rowed together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come and who shall be able to to stand hallelujah let's go to the Lord in prayer right now Father I come to you right now we need Jesus of again your spirit Lord grant us understanding and enlightenment tonight I pray God as we go through this this evening I pray oh Lord Jesus you have to help me help my mind Lord God to be able to convey Lord Jesus what you would have conveyed Lord in this place and we'll give you Lord the honor and the praise for it in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray Amen and amen and amen. Everybody say amen. You may be seated. Amen. The, the sixth, the sixth seal. We last week we finished up talking about the fifth seal, which were uh, the martyrs that were underneath the altar that were crying out unto the Lord. How long was it going to be until vengeance was going to be served unto those? And He said, "Still yet a little season." And so we come to the sixth seal, and there is a. The sixth seal is just power-packed with a bunch of events uh, that seem to take place in the breaking of the sixth seal. Just to enumerate a few of them, and I I hope that you can see that, the sixth seal is just really things that are not just happening on earth but things that are happening in heaven. And just to list a few of them that are mentioned in those scriptures, it spoke of a great earthquake. It spoke about the sun turning black. It spoke as the moon as becoming as blood that the stars of heaven uh, would fall to the earth. And it said that that would be similar to a fig tree casting untimely figs. It even spoke of a mighty wind that would blow and that the heaven would depart as a scroll whenever it was rowed uh, together and that every mountain and island moved out of their places and that all would want to be hid just kind of putting it down really concise that all because it named a lot of people but in reality it was trying to relate to us it didn't matter who they were captains uh, high people paupers freemen bond that all would would try to be hid from 
the wrath of the Lamb, which is an interesting statement within itself, wrath of the Lamb. Whenever uh, our translators, whenever they use the word earthquake in our Bibles right here in Revelations chapter number 6, it is the Greek word seismos, uh, from which we get the English word seismograph, uh, which is an instrument that we know is for a measuring, taking measurements of shaking, if you will. But the Greek word itself means a quaking, a shaking, or a agitating. As a matter of fact, in the Greek language, it is nowhere to be found. Earth is nowhere to be found in the Greek language. So it just is basically speaking of a quaking in the Greek or a shaking in the Greek. It isn't necessarily a quaking and a shaking that is just absolutely contained on the earth. It's as though it is a quaking and a shaking that goes beyond just the confines of the earth. So translators put in earthquake. But in the Greek, it's just a quaking and a shaking. And we can see very quickly that this quaking and shaking does supersede that of just the earth because there is impacts that takes place even in the heavenly bodies outside of just the earth itself. It extends all the way to the heavens. And so as a result of that, you see some of the things take place of the stars that fall to the earth. And you see some of the events happening to the sun and to the moon. And the Bible says then, uh, as it's denoted enough there, the heaven departed as a scroll uh, that is rolled together. And that, that, that kind of goes back to old time whenever scrolls were done like that and you rode scrolls together sometimes because of their age and what they were made of over a period of time whenever you rolled a scroll together or even unrolled a scroll sometimes it would become split and cracked right down the middle as a result of doing that and so that's the that's this kind of speech and the symbolism that it's given here the heavens are going to depart they're going to split uh, just as whenever a scroll is rowed together. And so we're talking about a shaking then that supersedes the earth. The Bible tells us in Genesis 1 and verse number 14, it says, And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament. And I just kind of include there lights that speak of here is the sun and moon uh, uh, of the heaven to divide the day from the night. And let them be, the Bible says, for signs, for seasons, for days and years. Now we understand uh, that all of these uh, lights, the sun and the moon and uh, the orbit of the planet, so on and so forth, uh, give us our days and our years. It gives us a calendar. It gives us the ticking, if you will, of time. For that matter, time as we know it did not start until these things were created. Uh, because that's where we derive our time. But more importantly, look, first of all, what it said it would be for as well. Beyond seasons and days and years, let them be for signs. Let these two lights that were created from the very beginning, let them also be provided for signs. And we see that throughout the Word of God. We see that the sundial, that it was moved back three degrees in the day of Joshua's day. I'm, I'm squeaking up here for, maybe I got this on... I don't. But nevertheless, during Joshua's day, it was given for a sign to him, amen, that things, things were going to take place and happen. We see also that in Hezekiah's day, amen, there was the event that took place that indicated to him that it was going to be 15, I got that wrong, did it? The sun stood still in Joshua's day. Sorry, everybody. Sun stood still in Joshua's day, and then it was moved in Hezekiah's day back 
All right, sorry to get the stories flip-flop. We'll have Moses uh, taking the Ten Command or on the ark and Noah getting the Ten Commandments before it's all said and done if we're lucky. Amen. <clears throat> but nevertheless, so they were used for signs. And so as a result of that, sun and moon being used for signs, creating seasons, days, years, but also created for signs, then even in the last days, the sun and the moon, we see popping up time and time again, and they're indicating and telling us something. They are being used, if you will, for signs. And I just want to pause here just for a moment to give my lean in and take on something because I know in recent days there's been a lot of discussion over this blood moon uh, things that have been going we had the blood moon because of, of the eclipse that took place for it and it looked blood red and so then people started deriving well there's going to be other blood moons that are going to take place some of them are going to uh, intersect with some Jewish festivals and, and this is all that's taking place and happening and some people say well here it is here it goes well First of all, uh, there's a lot of discussion about that in recent days because of the last occurrence, but I don't believe that, that those instances and what has just happened directly correlates with what I'm talking about right here. All right, and the reason, all, the reason being is, first of all, we believe that the rapture of the church has already happened before this moment. And so if we're all standing around here seeing blood moon, we must have missed it. <laughs> okay. All right, and then secondly, these events that are happening in the sixth seal are events that I believe that will be happening around the same time, or maybe even in succession, as 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 the scripture seems to bear out somewhat. And the Bible says that the sun will be darkened, and there will also be the the moon appearing as though as blood. That'll be happening at the same time, and stars will be falling from heaven there is a shakening remember that doesn't just go from the earth but all the way to the heavens in this moment and period of time and that's not what was taking place when the blood moon came all right what people call the blood moon and it will be as though it is blood and for that matter consider and let's think here just for a moment the moon all right here's a little science fact for you that you may have forgotten from years gone by the moon has no inherent light itself the moon has no light in and of itself. The only thing the moon does is reflect the light of the sun. So, reason with me here for a moment. If the sun is blackened, that will affect the appearance of the moon. All right? So it's going to affect the appearance of the moon. And then stars are going to fall from heaven, as it were. Now, we've got to consider this word stars because another thing we've got to consider, science, there are, there's a lot of stars. We could maybe even stretch it to a majority, but who knows how many stars there are. But there are a lot of stars that are bigger than Earth itself. So if those type of stars were falling to Earth, there would be no Earth. Okay? And so whenever we talk about that, it's best to understand the stars' terminology as we have seen meteors that fall to the earth, asteroids, if you will, that fall to the earth. And these things are happening, these things are unfolding as a result of and from man's sin. Judgments are being poured out as we see through the seals and the trumpets and the vials. But what's interesting is, as these things are taking place, what do we see? The bondman, the free man, the captain, all these different people, the rest of humanity that is left, notice their response. Judgment's coming, but nobody seems to be bound down and repenting. But everybody is going and hiding and looking for shelter. And what you see in that episode, at least displayed in Scripture, 
is the common response of humanity and mankind whenever they're ashamed or feel the heat of their sin. It's to hide all the way from the garden. It's to hide rather than to make right. All right? And so they're hiding. They're asking for the rocks to cover them. They're making a vain attempt to hide themselves again. And the Bible says here the unfolding of all this, in essence, is the, the, uh, the, the wrath of the Lamb. And that, that's kind of a word picture within itself because you picture a lamb, nice little white, fluffy. You think of Mary had a little lamb. You see this fluffy, little, innocent, sweet, harmless lamb lovable lamb but the bible portrays it as the wrath you don't you don't you don't picture a lamb with canine teeth coming down foaming at the you know you don't think in lambs in that terminology but it speaks of the wrath of the lamb and as a side note tonight one of the reasons that i believe that people will be ready to accept the first rider the antichrist in this seal unfolding as the Christ is because there's been a bunch of people that will be leading up to that time that paint a picture of Christ only as someone of love, God blessing, mercy, grace, never wanting to upset anybody, never wanting to have a rod of judgment, come in peace, that first writer will, so it must be Christ, but wait a minute. There's the wrath of the Lamb that is to come. Uh, there are a bunch of people that just paint Christ in one hue without ever giving him the other hues that he does, in fact, have. I'm not, and please don't misunderstand. I am not saying he's not a loving God. He is, or merciful, or peaceful, and all that. He is. But as we've said all times, just to the degree that he loves, those things that are outside of his spectrum of his love, to the same degree he can hate and detest and despise and so then the final question that we come to in the closure of this chapter is this you'll note the very last verse of chapter number six the question that is posed it, this is the verse it says for the great day of his wrath is come and the question is who shall be able to stand so if all these things are going to unfold and happen and there's war and there's famine and there's pestilence and, and, and there's the quaking of the earth and the heavens and all of this is going to happen, who shall be able to stand that? And so chapter 7 is in essence the answer to this question. Chapter 7 in essence is the answer to this question question and then we'll pick back up with the seventh seal in revelations chapter number one also just for homework i know everybody's doing this and probably reading these other scripture readings just like you did in school in joel chapter number two if you want to see something else that kind of goes along with revelation chapter number six look at joel chapter number two because in joel chapter number two verses one through eleven you're going to read the Bible says in certain terms about the appearance of horsemen and how they'll run and how they will be set in array for battle and war. That's starting to sound familiar, isn't it? It begins to speak of how, look at this verse 6, before their face the people shall be much pained, all faces shall gather blackness. 
Uh-huh. And as you read along and come on down, it's whenever it begins to speak about how the earth and heaven shall tremble and the sun and the moon shall be darkened. Uh huh. It's all even in accordance where it talks about in the last days, saith the Lord, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Uh huh. Uh, old man dream dreams, young man see visions. In that same course of scripture is where it speaks about the sun being darkened and the moon being as blood. Consider Joe, Joe chapter 2, verses 1 through 11 and verses 28 through 32, because you'll start seeing a lot of similarities. You'll start seeing a lot of similarities uh, between those two as you go along. And so our, for our purpose this evening, that concludes 5B of Revelation. I need to go on, amen, to 6A here. And my uh, entitlement for this and it's 6A because I'm not getting through. All right, so let's get... That is really bugging me. So let's get... It, it's, it's, it's ringing. So let's get started. The Bible says in Revelation chapter number 7, verse number 4, and we'll read one other verse as well, verse number 9. Who shall be able to stand? That's the question that's being answered in chapter 7. The Bible says, I heard the number of them which were sealed, and there were sealed 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel. Verse number 9 says, After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. So again, the final question of that day is who shall be able to stand? Chapter number 7. A few weeks ago, we spoke about how there's these chapters that get into the word of the Lord throughout the seals and the trumpets and the vials that are kind of parenthetical chapters or interludes or interruptions and all that they do is explain something a little further in detail or they give us a little bit more information on something and that is what chapter 7 is doing it's giving us some more detail it's answering a question really about who shall be able to stand if you look in your Bibles of chapter number 7 you'll be able to read there that John saw four angels standing, the Bible says, on the four corners of the earth. And again, this is just a very common way of referring to the four directions of the earth, north, south, east, and west. It was oftentimes used to speak of the whole earth. Instead of saying the whole earth, they just said the four corners of the earth. And so we have these angels that are standing on the four corners of the earth. They are covering, if you will, looking over the whole earth. And these angels are described in chapter 7 as whole holding back the four winds of the earth. And they're holding back. They, they are prohibiting these winds from blowing uh, up on the earth, specifically from blowing up on the earth, up on the sea, and upon the trees. In verse number two, we see that another angel appears outside of the four, and with that very message, he speaks to the four angels that are holding back the winds. He tells them, hurt not the earth, the sea, and the trees. And whenever we go through, and we looked at two schools of thought concerning uh, the seals and the trumpets and the vials, whether they're happening in succession or whether they're happening uh, at the same time. But if we were to consider them happening in succession, the seven trumpets being born from the seventh seal, these four angels, as it would seem, we'll see here in a little bit, seem to be delaying or prohibiting the seven trumpets and the seven vial of judgments from coming about. Why do you say that, Pastor McGee? Because the call was made to them to 
Hurt not the earth, the sea, and the trees. And some of the things that happen in the trumpet judgments and in the vile judgments hurt the earth, the sea, and the trees. These are just a few for instances for you here tonight. In the first trumpet, for instance, in Revelations 8, 7, here's some of the things that will happen in the first trumpet. Hell and fire mingled with blood will cast upon the earth. I underlined the words that are pertinent here for us. The third part of the trees will be burnt up. All right? All the green grass, which would be considering the earth, will be burnt up. So these are things that would hurt the earth and the trees. But the four angels right now are holding these things back from happening. The one angel from the east says, that came from the east says, don't hurt these type of things. In the second trumpet of Revelation 8, 8, some of the things that will take place then, a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea. It says a third part of the sea became blood and that the third part of the creatures in the sea died. And so this is being withheld at this moment in Revelation chapter number 7. Another for instance, second vial in Revelation 16 and verse 3. There is a vial. This vial was poured out on the sea, number one, and the sea becomes as the blood of a dead man. And every living soul in the sea died. So again, you see, this would be harm to the sea. So these angels are now. Uh, number six vial of Revelation 16, verses 18 through 20, and I just kind of just did a real generality here, but the earth is utterly shaken in Revelation 16 by the sixth vial. And so these angels, that fifth angel that appears, he appears with the message basically to hurt not the earth, nor the sea, nor the trees. Don't hurt any of those things, the Bible says. And the Bible says that he came or he appeared from the east, all right, the east. Now, the direction of east, or you might even say east wind, is associated throughout the word of God with both judgment and deliverance. Judgment and deliverance. Whenever seven years of famine was brought upon the children of Israel, or the Egyptians, might we say, that area of land, the Bible says the east wind brought the seven years of famine upon them. Whenever, for instance, the plague of locusts came upon them, the Bible says it was the east wind that brought the plague of locusts. So it's a symbol of judgment, but also deliverance because with the parting of the Red Sea, the Bible says that the east wind had been blowing all night. Amen, that also accompanied, if you will, the parting of the Red Sea. But at this time in the book of Revelation, uh, this angel that's coming from the east or appearing in the east, amen, is bringing deliverance because it said don't hurt the trees, don't hurt the earth, don't hurt uh, uh, these things right now. Uh, you hold them back because the Bible says this angel had, as it were, the seal of the living God, this is in your Bibles, I'm just going right down the chapter here, has the seal of the living God in his hand, all right? And so hurt and judgment, as we know, just from a small glimpse of the trumpets and the vials, hurt and judgment was going to come upon the earth. It was going to come upon the sea, all right? It was going to come upon the trees, but it was not going to happen, according to Revelation 7-3, it was not going to happen until the servants of God were sealed in their foreheads, the Bible says. Now, 
The Bible says in Revelations 9, 4, and it was commanded them that they should not hurt, everybody say not hurt, the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. So it seems like this seal of God that is put in the foreheads of these in chapter number 7 are those that fall then under the protection of God, as it were. That these that had the seal of God in their foreheads would not be hurt. All right, everybody say, okay. They have been kept from hurt or will be kept from hurt. Revelations 14, Revelations 14, Scripture with Scripture, gives us some other details concerning those that are sealed in the forehead with the seal of God. It tells us a little bit more about the seals in their foreheads. And uh, it says this in Revelations 14 and verse 1. It says, And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Sion, and with him, look now, 144,000, same number, having his father's name written in their forehead. So back in Revelation 7, it says, sealed with, I'm going to have to stay close to this pulpit, sealed with the seal of the living God. But we're asking ourselves, well, what is that seal? What is that seal? You know, that's great that there's a seal, but what is it? It's the seal of the living God, but what is it? Well, this states in Revelations 14.1, having his father's name written in their foreheads. If I may tonight, Jesus is sealed in their foreheads because that's the name of the father according to Jesus Christ. Jesus in the Gospels of John 5.43 was speaking. He said, I, this is Jesus speaking. I don't have it in red. I know. I'm sorry, Brother Pat. Amen. But in John 5.43, it says, I, that's speaking of Jesus, am come in my Father's name. And you receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him will you receive. So if the 144,000 having his Father's name are written in their foreheads, the seal of the living God must be the, 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 somehow in their foreheads the name Jesus. All right? The name Jesus in their foreheads. And that is very crude. I don't think it's going to be a rubber stamp, all right, in whatever color ink you just, you know. But I'm just doing that to just get it implanted in your mind, okay? <clears throat> Whenever you talk about seal, Old Testament times, a signet ring and sealing in the wax and things of that nature. Whenever you talk about a seal in Scripture and in history, being sealed or something sealed denotes ownership. It denotes ownership. The 144,000 that are sealed with the Father's name in their foreheads are not their own. They are owned by the one whose name is on their forehead. Jesus. All right, just stay with me here for a little bit, folks. It's Jesus Christ. Also, the Greek word for forehead is used to describe the location of the mark of a branded slave. Again, ownership. Forehead is what, the, it's the same word they use for the mark, the location of the mark of a branded slave. Again, there's ownership that's happening there. For a matter of fact, throughout the history uh, uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ throughout the history of God throughout time God has marked a mark or some type of seal upon his people alright I'm talking upon his people Israel 
and upon his people, the church. There is a difference. You got to keep Israel and the church separate from one another. All right? Amen. As a result, Old Testament through Abraham, let them be circumcised, the Jew. And it was the mark of circumcision upon the Jew that denoted them as his. Amen. The reason why uh, Pharaoh's daughter goes down to the river and there's Moses there and she says, oh, this is a Hebrew baby. Why'd she do that? Evidently, she's seen the circumcision upon that child. Egyptians weren't circumcised. There was a mark upon that boy. There's always some type of mark, some type of indication. Whenever Jericho is going to be destroyed, there's a lady called Rahab that have had some people in her home. She had shown kindness to them, and as a result, they said, God's going to show kindness to you, but for a mark so we know who not to destroy when judgment comes. Let there be a scarlet thread, a scarlet cord hanging out her window that gives a mark or an indication that she should be set apart from the rest. When we talk about the church in the age that we're living in, the church age, it's sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, Scripture says, evidence that I might say in speaking in other tongues. There is a mark. The Bible says in Ephesians 1.13, which we studied, we did a whole study on Ephesians, and it's all concerning the church. It says, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed, same wording even, with that Holy Spirit of promise. The church has been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. We know you have the Holy Spirit because you speak in other tongues or in new tongues. And so we see all of this. It's not uncommon then for people to be marked or sealed by God to be accounted as his through different dispensations of time. And so whenever we get during the time of tribulation, we are in a different dispensation. Amen. The church age has ended with the rapture of the church. We are in a different dispensation of time. And might I say tonight that those that do not fall under the umbrella of God, all right? And, I'm, I'm, and let me just go and throw this out here in case someone's getting real confused. The 144,000 are Jews. We'll look at that. Are Jews, all right? And we'll get into that because I don't want somebody, so you're telling me we missed the rapture, come out of the fact, and the Lord's going to put his hand upon it. We'll get into all of that in this chapter, okay? Maybe not tonight, but in this chapter. But those that do not fall under the umbrella of God with his mark and his seal, they will take another mark. Now, that is not the mark. I don't know what the mark's going to be. I know the, 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 the number of the mark is 666. And we'll talk about this at length later because we're not there yet. But that mark today could be one of their little very chips that go underneath the skin. They have, they have electronic tattoos now that can be placed on the skin that, that has information. It can take your blood pressure. It can take a lot of different stuff from your body, so on and so forth. That's just like a tattoo. It could be that, uh, so on and so forth, and the time go on. But if, they, if it's not the mark of God, then there are some that will take another mark, the mark of the beast, if you will. And notice, it's either in the forehead or on the right hand as well. Amen? A seal or a mark. And notice, the forehead... And, this, this was interesting as I kind of stumbled across it. The forehead has more interest than just being the location of a mark of a branded slave. But the forehead, your brain is consists of different lobes. The front lobe, or called the frontal lobe, right here, is the place where our brains process and make decisions. 
the frontal lobe is where you process information and you make decisions every day. What time am I going to get up? What am I going to wear? All that takes place right here, the frontal lobe. And it's interesting to me, Bishop, that the mark of God or even the mark of beast, both could be placed on your forehead where your decision is made. Amen. That's amazing to me. <clears throat> so there could be a mark of the beast or there could be the mark of the Jews, the seal of God. A decision has been made. And quite honestly, folks, I don't, my brain just goes a thousand different directions sometimes, so bear with me. But whenever I think about that and I think about how when we call people forward for prayer and normally it is that we anoint their forehead and normally for most parts we lay our hands up on their forehead. Amen. Perhaps all throughout the process of time what's really going on is we're trying to impact your decision-making process. I know you get prayed for healing and all that other stuff, but maybe the reason why God just has us doing this all the time is because whenever it really counts, he wants your decision to be where your decision needs to be and that you have a made-up mind like Ruth, be steadfastly minded, amen, and, and go all the way, amen. And so this picture of the ceiling for protection, let me back up. The sealing this head for protection. Remember, those that were sealed, he says, those, those that have not the mark, you hurt, you do whatever. He says, but those that have the mark, said, you, you, you protect them. They're the servants of the Lord. And whenever I begin to think about this, it recalls an Old Testament vision that can correlate with what's going on in chapter number seven. I recall a vision that was shown to Ezekiel in which uh, most that were in Jerusalem at that time were practicing idolatry. Uh, Jerusalem at that time was overwhelmed with idolatry and God is on the verge of judging Jerusalem at this time in the book of Ezekiel because they're practicing idolatry. And this is what the word of the Lord says in that time period, Ezekiel 9.4. And the Lord said unto him, there is one person, amen, there with his pen as it were. And the Bible says, go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem and set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and that cry for all the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. In other words, he says, there's going to come judgment upon Jerusalem. Uh, there's great idolatry going on. But those that sigh and cry with all these detestable things happening, he said, there's still going to be a group of Jews in the city of Jerusalem that are disappointed, upset, and torn about the idolatry that their city has embraced. And they'll be sighing and they'll be crying because everybody else is going against the laws of God. They're not upholding the standard of the Lord. And he said, those be the ones you go through and put a mark on their forehead and they will be spared because they don't want to go along with the idolatry that's taken place in their city. They don't want to endorse all the mayhem that is unlawful in the sight of God. You put a mark on their foreheads. All right, so say amen. Remember, you've heard me say this many times, primarily the tribulation is for the Jews. It is not really meant for the church. It's for the Jews, the nation of Israel. It is God's last-ditch effort to get his people in alignment with him, all right? But there will be some Jews through the tribulation that will be saved, but not in the sense that we use the word saved. 
not death, burial, resurrection, and filling of the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, saved. Amen. But they'll be saved through the tribulation. There will be some that will detest, if you will, the, the unwavering and unchanging ways of their brethren that are diabolical in the eyes of of God, and they will, in essence, have their own in that day, their own sires and criers. All right, that wishes to change, that wishes to alter where they are. And just for a for instance, this is just a for instance. Everybody doing okay? All right, and we're doing good on time. Hallelujah! Lord, help me to figure out maybe how much to put in this. <clears throat> for instance, since 1993. Since 1993, as a result of what's known as the Oslo Peace Accord, or OPA, the rulers of Israel at that time engaged, listen now, engaged at that time in trading land, their land, for peace. Now, this goes absolutely against Old Testament scriptures. Those people were at all costs try to keep their land at all costs let it remain theirs but in 1993 rulers of Israel started to give away portions of their land in exchange for peace now one reason why this came about and maybe this will ring a bell the United Nations which we have spoke of before that may be a possibility for that ten kingdom having the world already divided in ten divisions the revived Roman Empire and Daniel, the United Nations, because on that, on, during that time frame, was acting on behalf of the world or the world community as they're known for. They passed two resolutions calling for Israel and the Arabs, which have a lot of problems with each other, and even today, really heated right now, to negotiate by trading land in exchange for peace. So the United Nations got this bright idea. Why don't you guys trade land for peace? But Israel has already been told in the Old Testament they're not supposed to be giving up their land. But some Yahoo prime minister that they had at the time said, all right, we'll do it. We'll give you land for peace. They should not have been doing it. As a matter of fact, does anybody, what was the first city that was captured by the Israelites in Canaan? Anybody remember that first city that was actually really captured and brought in? Anyway, uh, whenever you look at, you consider Jericho whenever it was brought in. Remember? That was the first city they gave back for peace. Horrible. And whenever this started happening, whenever this started happening, not all the Jewish brethren were on the same train. Whenever this started happening, there were some Jews that were very upset and they even got a building that was across the road from their prime minister at that time and they would have times of going in there of fasting and mourning and praying because of the evil compromise that was taking place in their day. So what are you saying, uh, Pastor, I'm saying this. There will be a time, amen, even in the tribulation times, that there will be a group of Jews, and we'll get into this a little later. The Bible says 144,000 that will not be wanting to go along with what their Jewish brethren are going along with. There'll be a group of Jews that I believe in that day will come to recognize that Jesus was their Messiah. Mm-hmm. 
that will recognize that Jesus was their Messiah. And whenever, and I'll stop right here, but as we get along into next week, we'll see that there's 12,000 out of each tribe, so on and so forth, and we'll try to figure out a little bit more concerning the, the Bible speaking of them being Jews and learn a little bit more about them because the Bible states some other things about them in Revelation chapter number 14, and we'll continue to look at that. But after we look at this number, which I believe is a literal number, 144,000, uh, we'll be looking then, then at an indefinite number a number that no man can number all right that takes place as well and it seems like white robes are given to them and there's a lot of good thinking that's going to happen next week all right i call it good that you have to come uh, well fed and alert all right to think with me all right everybody say i wanted revelation all righty you come thinking next week. I admonish you to read Revelation 7. Just read the whole chapter one more time because we'll springboard from there next week. If you'll stand with me here this evening. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.